Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining the podcast without a name yet. My name's Mark, and I'm a trainer here in the Northeast in the Boston market. I'm joined by one of my favorite colleagues and friends on the team here, Mr. Ariel Pena. How are you? I'm doing well, man. What's going on, everyone? Yep, Ariel here from South Florida, and I'm truly excited, even though we don't have a name, Mark. I think this podcast is going to be a hit. Yeah, we don't have a name, but we do have a concept that I think you're going to love. Each episode of this podcast, we're going to dive into one of the processes that's integral to your role in order to be successful in your job. And we're going to interview someone who does that process really well and just talk to them about how they got there. What are the specific things that they do so that you can take some of those best practices and level up in that area yourself. So this week, the theme is one that's really common that we get requests for on the training team all the time. Ariel, what are we talking about this week? Yeah, we're gonna be talking about presenting to partners and not training partners, but presenting to partners. And who do we have for that? Yeah, we got someone in my market here. Uh, We had a great conversation. I think you're all gonna really enjoy it. We've got Mr. Brian O'Malley here from Boston. Uh, And without any further ado, let's just get into our conversation. All right, thanks for joining us, Brian. Really appreciate your time. Hey, no problem, no problem. Good to be with y'all here today. Yeah, so I mean, as you know, this week we're going to talk about presenting to partners and your name comes up as someone who does this really well and has had a lot of success in that area. And I know you're from Boston, right? You're used to to winning, you're used to championships, but it's got to feel good to hear your name in those ranks, right? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's humbling to say the least. Um, But if you're a true Boston fan, you know that all the banners hanging up are not enough. It's all about the next one, if you will. I'm sure everywhere else, everybody else in the country, those non-Boston fans really appreciate that sentiment as well. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about how you got there. And, um, you know, how many of these, if you were to ballpark it, how many of these do you think you've done? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's hundreds of them at this point, Mark. And I don't say that to like put it up on a pedestal or anything like that. But um, when I first got into Carrier, um, it, it became uh, pretty evident to me that if I were able to up-level my relationships inside of the partners, I would be able to really kind of attack the business with um, a whole lot more efficiency, if you will. Uh, starting with the ground level, you know, building up that credibility, uh, making sure the frontline sellers and the in-store leaders, you have that credibility with them, but then seeking out the next step you know, with that senior management level and then even going beyond that into the director level. All of that works in harmony and gives you some great alignment to drive the business. Okay, so I know it was a long time ago, Brian, we're talking about, um, you know, you've done hundreds of these things, but take me back to those early days. Um, Is this something that you always felt really comfortable with, that you always excelled with, or has there been a bit of a a learning curve there where you got better with reps? Yeah, yeah, Mark, presentation skills have been an item that I've had to work on what seems like my entire life. You know, when I was a kid in school, the, the, uh, it was always like the, the dreaded need to go up in front of the class to give a, uh, a presentation. You know, my face would turn red and it just stressed me out beyond belief. But a few things have helped me overcome my fears of presenting. You know, one was my time with music. You know, being able to sing into a microphone on stage in front of people is a great way to take the edge off of that fear, if you will. You know, the passion you have in the song, it just overpowers that fear. And then next uh, was really I challenged myself in college not to shy away from the fear of presenting. So I selected corporate communications as my major, knowing I would have to be in front of larger groups throughout that journey. 
And that's not easy, but it taught me a ton around how preparation can really kind of calm my nerves and turn them into adrenaline because I was excited for the final project to really be in front of that audience. So then I continued this in my professional career when I started to pursue leadership roles prior to my time with Apple. So, you know, having to present at things like store meetings and leadership syncs, I started to really kind of turn the corner completely and the fear changed to more of an enjoyment. And that's when I really knew I had conquered the stress of presenting, if you will. And lastly, and probably the item that has helped me the most has been my partnership with U.S. Training at Apple. You know, I remember when I first came to Apple very quickly, I took part in NEO and then in NSM right after that. And at these events, I was able to witness firsthand just how world class our training team is at Apple. You know, it's easy for us to kind of think that's the norm, but I encourage everybody to think about our presentations that we see from U.S. training and then a presentation you see anywhere else. It's just up so many levels. And this motivated me to heighten my own approach at presenting and take on new elements from understanding things like deck designs all the way over to Apple Voice and even things like pillars in your stage presence. So That's working... Great. And we didn't pay him to say that. Right? <laughs> I know. I mean, I do remember working with him as a guest trainer, though, a couple years back. Though. That, was a, that was a blast from the past right there, Brian, for sure. I love what I love what you said just about the stress and the physiology of it, though, right? Like standing in front of people, if you're new to it, there is something going on on a biological level there where your hormones, you know, your stress hormones are high. And the more reps you get, it's just a conditioning thing. You know, Ariel, I'm sure you can relate to this. You start to realize standing in front of 15, 20 people isn't a threat and, yeah. and that stress goes down. And then, you know, as the group gets bigger, you get 50, you get 60 people. You have to go through that same process again, and it becomes less of a threat in your in your yeah. nervous system. And Brian, and Brian points. called it out, right? It's that fear to, you said enjoyment, but it's also that fear to those nerves and really looking at it from excitement. Like, instead of being afraid of it, being excited for it. And that's the switch that needs to happen with the more reps that you are uh, doing with people you're in front of. Yeah, but also recognizing that if you're an LASC or an ASC who's early in that learning arc, and you're feeling stressed, it's not because you're not good at this. It's not because uh, you're dealing with something exceptional, right? It's just that it, that's the process. You, when you start out doing this, you feel those nerves and reps are what get you through it and get you more comfortable. So I love, I love uh, you know, sharing that, that experience. What about this? What if you were a, a new LASC and I needed, I needed convincing as to why this was an important part of my role to really move the dial? Why wouldn't I just focus on those floor staff doing demos, people who are speaking directly to customers. Why is it important for you, Brian, to get in front of a, a group of managers or, or market directors? Yeah, this is a, a great question. And when you think of the LASC role, right? Um, selfishly, we have covered doors that we're quoted on. So, you know, it would be in my best benefit to make sure those covered doors are running smoothly because that's my livelihood per se. So while store level interactions will always be important, Gaining leadership alignment on strategy and having them understand how we'll help them drive their own business creates a lot more momentum. It also brings more efficiency to the table as now I can engage areas and gain mindshare and advocacy in a much broader spectrum. So this also gives us better depth and breadth to our efforts in terms of growing share for Apple in terms of sales. So if I have a covered door in a senior manager's district, and it's the only door that I have, 
it would be in my best interest to not only focus on that one door, right? That's not going to get me too much credibility with that leader. Rather, I aim to engage all of that senior manager's leaders and drive the business in totality for them. And then, of course, this brings my covered door along in the process because I can then have direct follow-up from my standard visits with that door. So it's a true win-win, right? Win for the partner because they're getting broader support. It's a win for us at Apple because we're touching more doors. It's also a win for me because I'm driving that quota door and setting up those future doors if my territory expands. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I look at it, like you just said, from a tech perspective, and you gave me the right words in momentum. Like you're creating that momentum. Instead of a kind of attacking every single store one by one, let's go ahead and drive momentum so that that can spread across the entire district, region, division, and ultimately the nation, right? So I think that's a great way to look at it. Could not agree more. And that's the right way to look at it, right? That's what we're all about. We're all about creating impact and really kind of getting a great return for our efforts. Awesome. So let's look at it, though, for those LASCs that perhaps don't have the relationships that you do, right? You said you're in triple digits right now with all these meetings. But just like Mark, I want to bring you right back to the beginning of when you had to get time with these leaderships and you've convinced them that they've given you 30 minutes, they've given you 60 minutes, maybe it's a before store opening, maybe it's in the middle of the day during a lunch and learn, you got the time. My question to you is, how do you prepare for that time now that you have it, now that you've sold in your meeting? What is it you're doing now? This is a great question, Ariel, and it's one that's immensely important. And the item that allowed me to unlock the door to heighten partnership with these partner leaders is without question, having a deep understanding of their business and knowing where it intersects with what we can offer here at Apple. So I've always said that partnership is a two-way street, right? Whether I'm in front of the leaders or new hires or frontline sellers, I want them to understand that I am here to assist them in driving what matters most to them. So I'm going to pause you there because I want to hear a little bit more about that. I think everyone would benefit from understanding what you mean by deeply understanding their business. I, I know that's one of the sales actions that we all have, but what does that mean to you? How do you do that? Yeah, absolutely. Great follow up there. And um, a few things to think about, right? So you think about things like what will drive their compensation? You know, what will make them rise up on a scoreboard? What will make their managers ask them how they're succeeding because they want everybody else to succeed right around with them? You know, understanding their rankers, their compensation models, and even their operational strategy are all items that allow me to better find those intersection points that we have at Apple. Love it. Yeah. So not only is it what's going to benefit Apple from a revenue standpoint, but it's also those operational pieces that lead to those revenue wins, right? I like that. So what tools are you using to get that information? What can we give the people in terms of concrete resources so they can you know, dive into the operational pieces, dive into the revenue pieces? What are you using today? Yeah, there's um, this level of understanding. It's made possible by a few things. So number one is staying curious in the field and not shying away from connections, right? Pull the thread, engage in those connections and really take them at face value. And every day is really a stage to perform on, and I wanna make sure that I show up each and every time. So one item to add here, Ariel, is that when we look at how we can really kind of get that deep understanding, an item that helped me tremendously is the partnership that I have with our account teams. 
you know, being able to connect with them on consistent cadences has allowed me to gain a firmer grasp on their priorities and then utilizing their understanding of the partner's business because that's what they do literally full time. They understand that one partner where I'm tasked with understanding many, right? So I want to seek their expertise and their experience before I start to dig into some of the reporting that we have in things such as Cascade and things such as the box files that we use for attach. You know, it's, I, I'm extremely grateful for the account team making investments in my development. And then it's my job to go out there and give them a return on that investment by being able to put it to use. Awesome. So you're pulling the thread, you got the color files, you got Cascade, and then you tapped into the source and the AE relationship as well as the partner relationship. Now you're in the room. Now you're in front of them. What is it like? You mentioned being fearful first and now you're enjoying the moment. Tell me about that. Tell me about that morning of or the beginning of that meeting. You know, I think you got to go a little bit uh, even before that, Ariel, to understand this because um, me and Mark talk about this constantly. You know, I'm a big person that enjoys sharing on Slack because I want that share to really kind of motivate or give somebody else out there that might be trying to go after the same thing. It gives them a resource to tap into. You know, I've done that consistently with Slack is doing just the same. If someone has something up in their area, I want to be able to reach out and say, hey, how did you do it? Who did you talk to? What were the logistics, right? So in terms of this, I think you got to look at the prep overall. So like I said earlier, the prep is really what's allowed me to crush that fear or that stress with presenting. And I remember the stats that U.S. Training gave on the amount of time that y'all spend in prep as compared to presenting. And that has stuck with me to this very day. Awesome. So when I look at the prep, my prep starts with those field level insights, you know, and I gain those during the travel by asking sellers and in-store managers on what their leaders are engaging them around. And that gives me an idea of what items are important at the ground level. So then I work next on the next level up to land on items that will be most impactful in the settings that I'm going to be in. I think that's important to remember is that every audience is a little bit differently and you have to tailor your presentation to be fitting towards that audience. So next, I go ahead and I connect with my RM and I connect with Mark. I know they love seeing that iMessage come through. It puts a smile on their face because I know it's time to get to work. <laughs> and I fill them in on what I'm trying to accomplish and then my thoughts around what we can bring to the table. And then we do what we do best. We work together to assemble builds that make sense and that are captivating. But we also look at what can be measured and at what length. You know, that measurement becomes key. And we'll, uh, we'll probably explain that a whole lot more as we go through some more of these questions here today. But measurement, you can never skip that step. Yeah, I love that, Brent. I, love, I, wanna, I wanna dig into this just a little bit more because you know, preparation can look very different based on the kind of delivery that, that you know, you and I have co-delivered uh, CLCs before. And those are great, but they more or less go the same way every time. And so preparation is easy to, to define, right? I'm ready to go. I, I can do this in my sleep. It's going to look just like, you know, in my preparation uh, environment as it looks in, in, the, uh, in the real game day environment, right? But these conversations, and I've been in the room when you're facilitating these kind of uh, dynamic conversations, they jump around a lot and you have to be responding to questions or interjections. And so knowing that you're prepared is a little bit different, right? So like, tell us, tell us a little bit about the role of notes and tech and, and how you measure, how you know when you're prepared for one of these things to go really well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, this all comes down, in my opinion, to what with what I do. It's all about dry running the content and kind of mind mapping out the presentation and even the conversations that can happen as a result of the presentation. And uh, my fiance legit probably thinks I'm crazy because I'm always talking to myself in my office, but <laughs> I like to dry run the content as if I were live. So, you know, practicing those vocal patterns, practicing each and every one of the demos that I'm going to showcase, practicing those transitions and keeping a close eye on the timing and even my energy throughout. That's really the key, right? Act as if you're going to be live. And this also gives me an opportunity to ensure that I'm mixing in the partner's vocabulary as much as possible so they see that I understand their business. And Mark, one final thing here on this one is utilize your embedded trainer. So you, you just said we co-facilitate. Those are some of my favorite presentations that we get to do. But let's say, you know, your schedule has you booked up, right? Training is, is doing things throughout the whole course of the year. I'll always tap you to do something like a final T3. You know, let's take it through. Let's get that one last high-level overview, and then let's get that last-minute feedback in there as well because now, once the work is there, we are now ready to perform. And that's an item that keeps the partners wanting us back. That level of detail, that smoothness and delivery, that captivating presentation, that's what gets us that next invite. Yeah, I mean, I'll just add to that. Brian, because, and, and Ariel, you can speak to this as well, but you know, if you, uh, if you contact your embedded trainer and say, I want to do some teach backs and work on my delivery, like that's the thing we do a lot of things in the U S training team, but that's the thing maybe we're most passionate about. It's the thing that we do really well and that we love partnering uh, with the field on. And so don't hesitate to reach out to your embedded trainer with those requests. And if they're booked, if they're unavailable, ask them if there's another trainer on the team that can fill in because I guarantee you, you'll find someone to give you that support and just a second set of eyes. You know, you get so in your head when you're prepared that maybe you don't see some of the things that could be changed or tweaked. And that's something that, that we on the training team love to love to support with. It's an interesting point, especially when you think about the types of delivery that we're talking about here, right? Mark, you mentioned CLCs, and those are your bread and butter training delivery facilitation style. And when I think about what Brian's doing and selling into the meetings, it's totally different in my eyes. However, the prep that he's speaking to really resonates with me as a facilitator, as a trainer, because I take all those same steps. So I'm really happy that a couple of the points that you've learned, Brian, through the U.S. training team, whether that's guest training, whether that's observing, whether that's working with us side by side, is sticking with you with those interactions with those leaders, right? Because you aren't doing quote unquote traditional trainings you're really more speaking to the business and having these presentations that maybe you do some demos, but for the most part, you're trying to drive revenue and drive mindshare with leadership. And that is a different presentation than, let's say, a CLC product lineup overview, right? So I find it interesting that your prep patterns are on par with what we do every single day, which is really cool. And to your point, Ariel, um, you bring in some added elements, right? When you're in that leadership setting, there's an element to analyzing the data and making sure that you can use the data to help tell the story. And that's going to be different from prepping at a CLC where you're not going to be talking about the actual trends that are happening in the market with a leader. So it's a great point to bring up is that's going to be another big part of prep when you're in the leader setting. So great one there to share. 
How do you feel, Brian, when a leader jumps in in the middle of your presentation? Does that throw you off or is that an asset? How do you feel about that? I love it. I absolutely love it because it shows that they're engaged. It shows that they're seeing something from what we're talking about and they're going to give their perspective. And the conversation at that point can naturally continue. And a lot of the times when that happens, we end up landing, I should say, on a commit that maybe we weren't even thinking about to start, right? Since they brought it in, we can now in the moment connect some of those dots into some of the resources, tools, and assets that we have. And then from there, a new sell-in begins per se, and it's going to be a direct hit on what that leader is presenting back to us. That's great. So let's talk about uh, what happens after some of these sessions, right? And so part of what you're trying to do is is drive best practices and drive results and and have an impact. But I imagine that's an environment where you learn a lot too, where you take things away. Um, so how does uh, what you learn in those sessions influence um, what you do next and what, what your strategy is moving forward? Yeah, you know, that's all about the follow-up, right? And um, the follow-up is really going to be an item, another item, I should say, that you can't forget about. So as you're doing that sell-in or you're gaining that invite, you need to make sure that you schedule some time with the leaders to see how things are going and to really discuss the impacts that have been seen after you have that session, right? It's just as important as gaining the initial commit. And I typically like to do this by scheduling some field travel. And this tends to be a great way to really kind of bring yourself into the standard day-to-day rhythm for them. So I'm not asking them to do anything really added, right? You know, where are you going to be on this date and time? Hey, do you mind if I come tag along with you for a couple visits? And we'll also follow up on that session that we had with, you know, your RSM team or your RAM team. And during travel, to your point, Mark, we get a chance to look together for any other areas that may be needing some support and discuss really any of the changes that might be happening with the partner. So that allows us to stay very proactive on what we can offer next because I can take some notes inside of the notes app is typically where I'll take those. And then from there, I can look back and say, hey, this leader was concerned with A, B, and C. Let me now take that back to our cross-functional teams and my regional peers and figure out what we can offer next for them. Yeah, that's great. I think, you know, you got to remember that these folks have so many different vendors pulling them in different directions, fighting for that mind share. And it's, it's really important that they know that we're invested in their results. And so much of that happens in the follow-up, right? That we're not just there to get what's important to us. We're, in, we're there as invested partners, right? Well, Brian, I want to thank you so much for, uh, for your time today. Um, really appreciate it. And I'm going to offer up a couple of things here on your behalf. I hope you don't mind. Number one, like we said earlier, the Embedded Training team loves this subject. So you can reach out to us for any support that you need to level up in this area. Uh, but also, if there was an area of the conversation that you wish Brian would have touched on, or if you had a specific question for him, I know, I've seen you in Slack, Brian. I know you're an accessible guy. You're busy in there. Uh, can I volunteer that, that people reach out to you with their questions and, uh, uh, and ask you for that support? Absolutely, and vice versa, because uh, anyone that reaches out to me, I'm surely going to be reaching back out to them for something in the future. So. I always have oh, what a comeback. Open. What a comeback. He says, I'll help you, but you got to help me later. There it is. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Brian. Appreciate you. Thanks, Al. All right. A great conversation with this week's guest, Brian. We really want to, again, thank him for his time. In terms of what really resonated with you, Ariel, what are you walking away with? 
Yeah, he gave us a lot. So thank you, Ryan, for sure. And for me, if I had to distill it down, it's three points. It's preparing to present. It's executing that presentation to your partners and following up on the sales floor. So when it came to, pre uh, to preparing, what he gave me was that really understanding the business deeply. And if you notice, I even challenged him to give me some more concrete ways of doing that. So that's something that I'm looking forward to seeing uh, for myself. Uh, number two is that executing. It's game time. You're in front of the group. One thing I took away from that conversation is don't get frazzled when a leader or a manager wants to interrupt you. Uh, what I learned from Brian is that, guess what? He, he or she feels comfortable enough to interrupt you. So that's a great relationship. Use that. Uh, and lastly is that follow-up. It's making sure that you don't leave any of the nuggets in that room. and You take what you get from that meeting onto the sales floor, whether that's through ride-alongs, observations, so you can get more time later on. Uh, so those were my top three takeaways from our conversation with Brian. Yeah, I think for me, I kept thinking about a phrase that I've heard a few times uh, in my career at Apple. You've probably heard it too, which is to own your own development, right? You own your development at Apple. And the reason I thought about that in terms of what Brian was talking about was because he works incredibly well cross-functionally to level up in this area of the business, right? He talked about leaning on the account team so that he has the best resources in order to tell a story with that data, right? He talked about learning from the training team and learning about uh, how to level up his presentation skills and using us as a resource. And so I think that that's my takeaway is, is you have to collaborate at Apple. You have to work cross-functionally and there's so many different areas you can explore in terms of who's really good at this and how can I learn from them? Um, you know, that brings us to the purpose of this podcast, which is, you know, it's partly about celebrating people who are doing great work and you know, making sure they get the recognition they deserve, but it's also about you, the audience, right? And so we want to hear from you. I'm going to challenge you to do a really honest self-assessment. Where are you in terms of your skill set when it comes to presenting to partners? And let us know in Slack. We want to hear from you. What specifically did you take from our conversation with Brian? What are you excited to implement uh, in your effort to level up this, this process? Right, Ariel? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Maybe you're great at one of two of those things. We want to hear that too, but maybe you want to work on, you know, cross-functional help or cross-functional reach out and relationships. We want to hear that as well. So let us know in Slack what you're going to work on. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on the next one.